Judaism. About oh, something just popped up in front of my thing here. My goodness. What is this? Oh, let me just, I have to click something. Excuse me for one second. These machines have taken over. Just click OK. Now, I am trying to get my finger. Oh, now I got it. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and I usually we speak a little of the holiday and of how it connects to Zen practice, which I love. I mean, I don't see a, any separation between Zen practice and Jewish practice, Christian practice. It's one practice, one one being. Actually, today is part the first new Parsha of the new year, which it's a very special day to be here. Bereshi, the beginning, we're given a chance to begin all again, over and over. Not only every day, but every moment we have a chance to begin again and again. So what I, I titled my talk, I keep changing it, but the title I gave it is Finding God at the Kitchen Table, The Unlikely Marriage of Judaism and Zen. <laughs> And one thing, you know, people say, how can the Jewish people be smiling or laughing or rejoicing or singing? How is this even possible through through a time of so much grief? And not just grief for the Jewish people. There's grief for all those suffering. Oh, my goodness. The waves of suffering going on seem huge. How can you be laughing or eating food at the kitchen table or enjoying? And one of the basic principles in Judaism is joy that one of the healing the great healing comes from simple joy and it says keep your mind stayed on me god says and i will direct the footsteps of your feet no matter what happens no matter the agony the suffering what no matter how the appearance looks grotesque keep your mind stayed on god on goodness on God, as he said in the first chapter, created everything and saw that it was good. So you could say, well, come on, how could this be good? Give me a break. I hear people saying all the time, where is God? Where is God now? I've, many people have said that to me. And I just try to keep my mind stayed on God, not get pulled into this tremendous wave of despair or hate or just on God, and it says, where is God? And I said, well, we are, it says in the scripture, we are the temple of the living God. So right here, let's look right here. Let's go within. Let's, let's take that role of looking at everything through different eyes, through the eyes of God. And actually, since Reishi, I wanted to talk about the pillars of Judaism, because that's, we start a new, a new year. Because most people don't really know what Judaism consists of. They don't really, they're not familiar, including most Jewish people too. I have wrote so many notes here, but I just wanted to share that because I think it will be very um, inspiring for everybody. Because there's many, many ingredients for healing and for, real healing in, in, in Jewish practice. But, you know, even if we get a lot of ingredients, they were given ingredients to cook the most wonderful soup in the world. Oh, once you drink this soup, you've got, you'll be healthy, you'll be strong, you'll live on and on. So we're given all the ingredients, 
but if we don't eat them, if we don't live them, then we're not then we're not cooking the soup. If we don't cook the soup and eat it and digest it, the ingredients don't mean a thing. Nothing. It's just a list of ingredients. So in we have many things in Jewish practice, but the question for me, how do you actualize it? How do you cook the soup in your life? How do you actually make it real? Make it, And if you do, you'll eat a delicious soup. But, okay, so let's go over what these pillars are. Let's, okay, the first one is very clear. And, and by the way, I just want to say one thing before that. Judaism is never about transcending. Well, it is at certain points, but it's not about transcending this life. That there's something terrible here. I can't wait to get out of here, although many people feel that way. No. No, it's about hallowing it, taking each moment. Each moment is practice. That's why I said God at the table. Each encounter, everything that comes to you is an opportunity to lift, to encounter it, to hallow it, to bless it, to receive the teaching and the blessing from it. So you're not in Judaism, you're not allowed to leave the community. Very interesting. You know, and I was, when I was younger, (laughs) thousand years ago, (laughs) I I fought with that. I said, what do you mean you can't leave the community? I always wanted to sit somehow, even before I knew how or what that was. I felt it was very important to to have time to maybe separate from the community. And I never could understand that that's one of the teachings because it's because you say, am I my brother's sister or keeper? And the answer is yes. (laughs) You are, and that is your job, to be there with one another, for one another. Who, even if, and, and of course, there's tremendous disagreements in every family, in every sangha, in every religion, in every community. And to somehow take those disagreements and that conflict and to approach it in such a way that you become one. Wow, that's an incredible, beautiful thing that you become one in the family, one in the chevra, one in the sangha, and hopefully the whole, because we are one at the base, one of the basic, and we, as we all know, premises of Judaism is Shema Yisrael. Listen, listen is real. Listen. But how many of us even know how to listen? Come on. We have, Zazen is a great teaching for how to listen. Whoa. We listen with every bone in our body. We, when we really listen to another person, that person will be healed. Nothing for you to say or do, just to be heard so deeply. Whoa, what a gift. What a treasure. And that is a practice, a practice. That's why we have community with all different voices, all different intentions, furious, loving, it works. Listen, listen to all the sounds of god that's what it is listen the, we've given we've been given great powers what are they one is to listen <laughs> these are simple powers they're not like oh i can somebody told me i'm still traveling these days that's a, good for you <laughs> but let's come back to the kitchen table can you listen to to your neighbor can you listen can you be there for them unconditionally listen and listen doesn't mean to Put your opinion in. I'm you're wrong. I'm right. None of that. Nothing like that. Listen. Just open heart, open mind. Be totally available. 
Listen to the tree. Yeah, I even thought I have this incredible plant that refuses to stop growing in my living room. I love it. It's at the ceiling now, but it refuses to stop. I can hear it singing. I really can almost hear it singing when I when I water it. I would not do a thing in the morning until I water it because it actually sings to me. I have such a love for this plant and vice versa. People say to me, well, you've been living alone under these weird conditions for so long, but I don't feel alone at all, especially with that plant. I call her Emily. Anyway, and and, <laughs> and others, there's so much with us all the time when we can really, really listen. But I, I want to go over um, the, 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 uh, the very important pillars of Jewish practice, because it's it's not just for Jewish practice. That's an illusion. It's for everyone. You know, this thing about the chosen people, which is, I think, one of the reasons people hate the Jews so much. It's misinterpreted. It doesn't mean that the Jews are better or or chosen by God. It means that the chosen people means those who choose God. There are many among the Jewish people who don't choose God. There are many who do. It's about choose, not about I'm better than you. It's about these teachings apply to everyone who chooses God. That's what it means. And I wish everybody knew that. I wish there wouldn't be a feeling of separation and there's no better or worse. I was just reading the other day, each one has is given their own gifts, their own mitzvahs to do. There's so many mitzvahs. Oh my God, 632, so a million mitzvahs. And I always felt so bad. How can I ever do them all? I can never do them all. And then... I, I read just recently, God, you don't have to do them all. There are certain ones just for you. Isn't that beautiful? What a relief. Certain ones just, oh, I love that, just for you. And God gives everyone, the whole world, certain mitzvahs, certain blessings, certain gifts just for them. And and I love that. That's so wonderful. And so these teachings are to be a light for the nations, not just for me or for one community, not at all. So let's just go. And I could see so many ways in Zen practice. I often said, I've been practicing so many years. Oh my God. And, and um, I often said, Oh my God, I, I feel like I'm keeping the Torah more in the Zendo sometimes. I mean, it's incredible. So what's the first pillar, the beautiful pillar of Judaism is Chuva. Tshuva, which is what we do all through the holidays. And what does that mean? It means return to God Re- or return home to your original self. Or it also means turn around. And I always thought how wonderful whenever I turned around in the Zendo and faced the wall. We used to face the wall. I'm making chuva. It means turn around. Don't get distracted by the world of appearances, which is a very frantic world and it's fluctuating and it's terrifying sometimes. Sometimes it's beautiful. It keeps shifting. No, turn, oh, turn around. So when we're going to have our minds stayed on God, we do tshuva every day, every hour. We turn around. We turn away from that chaos to the teachings and they're all within us too. They're residing within. And we study them and shuva, turn around. Just that teaching itself is so powerful. It's a koan. Because even in the middle of anguish or difficulty in a relationship, turn around. It doesn't mean turn away from the person, but don't get caught. 
in the negativity, in the supposed conflict, in the anger that's going on. Don't get caught in that dance. You're bad. I'm good. You're right. I'm wrong. Turn away from that and keep your mind stayed on God, on goodness. How wonderful that is. How wonderful that is. That itself saves us to make tshuva. And it's not just one stern. That's a principle of Judaism. It means every day, all day long. Turn back to God or turn back to your original truth. Your, your face, it's called in Zen, your face before your parents were born. How beautiful is that? The form of no form, right? Turn to that. That's all different ways of saying God. Those are just all different ways of saying turn, turn to the formless. It's how beautiful. I love, you know, I've been doing a lot of study because I've been so different years these few years I've always wanted to study comparative religion since I was a little girl since I was 15 and now I had time to do that and it just strengthens so deeply my my understanding that every single and I've been studying it for myself that it's the scriptures of many religions and it's so uplifting to see it's exactly the same in spoken in different words in different ways turn around it Turn around. Chufa also means repentance, believe it or not. And what does repentance mean? It means to change your mind. Same thing is, is part of turning around. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of this over the holiday, you know, oh, I'm so terrible. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. Well, that can be part of repentance. You know what I like? What Uchiyama Roshi said, you know what he said? He said, just doing Zazen is repenting. That's enough. He said, because you're sitting on the cushion and you're, and it comes up. Everything comes up. What you did wrong, you might regret it. What you see, the whole tapestry of your life, you don't have to keep beating. It doesn't help to beat yourself up about it because what you want to do is, is make amends or correct the behavior. And all you, when you see it, you automatically, you Oh my God, I didn't realize that. And it corrects itself. So beautiful. It's so beautiful. It corrects itself. You see it, you regret it. And then you apologize or you don't do it the next time because you're aware of it. You're conscious of it. So our Zazen practice gives us that consciousness of it. Oh, I see. Okay. We do have to see it. We're not hiding from it. But also... The way Zen is different from the Jewish way, in a sense, or, or there's not that heavy guilt and punishment of self or others. I don't think punishment is helpful. <laughs> I've gone through that trip along many, many years, self-punishment and being punished. It doesn't really help you to make tshuva, to turn to God, because you, you feel so depressed <laughs> and you could be paralyzed with all the guilt. But if you feel, okay, now I can correct it. I can turn it around. I remember after my father died many, many years ago, I was completely devastated. I, I just couldn't do anything. I was shocked. He died in a very unusual and very horrible way for me. And finally, one day I was walking on the street and I said, oh, I was sick with the whole thing. I said, this isn't helping him and it isn't helping me. It is, I'm The best way to honor him is to feel strong and to take the lesson. I've learned from this 
use that and go forward. And then I started working. It was the early days when hospice was just being put together. And I started doing programs in hospitals on death and dying, hospital programs for the staff, which was not done at all by those days. I put my little Zen practice, it was the early days of my practice, together with a psychology background. And you know what? I could feel him, almost feel him thanking me. I could almost feel him thanking me because it was a wonderful way to make amends, to honor him, to do tshuva, to turn the relationship around. It can be turned around even after someone is gone, for sure, for sure, because they're not gone. <laughs> like Adarosha used to say, when a Zen master passes, he just goes into hiding. <laughs> and that's when he can start to really work with you. He's just hiding. Meaning you can't see him, maybe, or maybe you can. But okay, let, I don't. I love to talk. Uh, what a big mouth I have for a Zen student. It's nuts. Anyway, the next step of the pillars of Judaism is sadaka, charity. Very big pillar, charity. That's also a koan. You know, not to take these teachings only at face value. Let's take it as a koan. What is charity really? Are you giving of your own self? That's also charity, really giving. What does it mean to really give? You know, many of us do charity and we want to get it honored for all we gave and blah, blah. That's not real charity, I don't think. Charity, because you never want to make anybody feel embarrassed to have to, that they had to receive money from you or anything. Like, you don't want to embarrass them or make them feel, oh, look, I, I need so much and you have so much. That's not charity. That's the way the Zen monks, you know, the Takahatsu practice. What a beautiful practice. I actually saw it when I was in Japan. I was so bowled over, I couldn't believe it. What that practice is, is that they go begging. When the monks leave the monastery, they go down the road, they hold their bowls, but they keep their hats over their eyes. And they go one after another, Kenyan into town, even if it's raining with their feet. When I saw them, it was raining, just little sandals. And they, they chant, oh, and p- the people in town know they're coming and they need food for their monastery. They, they beg for food, for money, whatever, but they hold their hands out. But they don't ever look at the face of the person who's giving or the face of the one who's receiving. They keep their eyes down. And that, and that was so beautiful. That, so that nobody should be shamed by the charity, how much they give, who's giving. And in the giving and receiving, they become one. Just one. One hand holding out, the other hand giving. I had read about it for many years, but I was so overpowered to actually be present and see it happen. It's the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful way of asking for charity. It's not charity because they give back by their practice. They're giving back. So this this practice of charity, though, is one of the pillars, believe it or not, of Jewish practice. And it's a koan. Who needs charity? What does it even mean? That's, the word could be demeaning to someone. What does it even mean to give charity, to give unconditionally, without your face being seen like the monks, like the people in that town? So charity is very important. The minute we see a need, in Jewish practice, we are commanded to fulfill it. Someone else's need. That's your practice. Take care of the person. Don't leave the community. Whatever the need is, and don't make them feel beholden to you forever. Ever. Look down. 
don't make them feel guilty or beholden or shame. That's very much a part of the uh, uh, one of the other great teachings is believe it to honor every single person you meet. Every person is a reflection of the divine. Honor them, treat them that way, including you, including you. <laughs> one, am, I, am I taking too much time? One more thing is the other third very important pillar is tefillah prayer. Now that's an amazing also. A koan, because there are so many ways of praying. Yes, we say all the prayers and chant them, but prayer is much deeper than that. And I'll tell you the best example of prayer I ever heard. It was Yom Kippur, at the end of Yom Kippur, the day of, you know, fasting and repentance. And the highest prayer when the gates are closing and the judgments are final for the year. And this rabbi was on the way back. He had the head rabbi back to the synagogue. There's a little rest period, a little break before that. He was on the way back to say the highest prayers, and he never appeared at all at the synagogue. And people were frightened. Where is he? What happened? Why didn't he come? Where they they'd be looking for him. And you know what his what what happened? He was on the way to the synagogue, and he heard a baby crying and crying. And he looked in the window, and the baby was all alone. So he went into the house, sat down on the chair, held the baby, and sang to the baby. So he shouldn't be all alone and crying. That was his prayer. To me, I love that. <laughs> so what is prayer? Prayer is not just saying the words. We're given the opportunity to pray all day long in how we act with people. What need? And really seeing and hearing the babies crying. And we're all babies crying somehow or other. To, to hear that cry and to and to tend to it, to tend to it, not, not to turn away from it, not to say, well, I have to go deeper in myself and at the moment I can't listen to this or that. No, 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 to take care, to, to respond to the cry, to the cries of the world. There are many of them. So on the deepest level, that is prayer. That's what prayer really, and that's, you know, I just, to say one thing, then it'll be okay enough. I, I just want to say, oh, if this is true for every practice, including Zen, certainly in Judaism, everything, Christiana, I don't know, but but um, it's very easy. You know, we do all our practices so that when we're confronted by suffering or by need, we, we can be present and know how to respond in the most positive, constructive way. But sometimes the practice takes over and our life becomes just about the practice. We forget what it's for. We, just, we forget that we have to actually live it in life and apply it. It's just You can get addicted to, to the actual practice. I've gotten very addicted to Zazen, I know. It can become an addiction and it becomes substitute. I mean, it's here to teach us, to get us ready for the real prayer, the real prayer in life itself. So... That's especially in this day and age, what's going on. Yes, important to sing and do all the practices, but then let's get out there and apply it to whatever in our, whatever the kitchen table, wherever your kitchen table is, whatever comes to you. It's really about giving unreally. I think being aware to what the need is, awake to it and responding to it. 
That's, I think, the purpose of all the practices. So anyway, it is 10.30. I guess I should better stop now. I I love preparing these talks. I prepare so many pages. I have enough for 10 talks. But thank you. It's great to see everyone here so much. And and so I, I would just urge everyone and urge myself too. I'm being trying very hard to keep my mind stayed on God and the teachings throughout this difficult time and not get caught in the in all the negativity and the confusion and the hopelessness. Then we can be a force for the light. I do believe that we can be a great by our consciousness, we can really help heal things yeah. very, very much. Someone would really like to ask you a question. Oh, the fourth pillar. Well, the first one is listening. The second is chuva, turning around. Sadaka, charity. And tefila, prayer. Oh my God, if we just do even one of them fully, it's beautiful. And it's, believe me, it's for the whole world. It is to be a light for the nations. That is what it says. Yeah. Would you mind spelling each pillar? Well, I can spell it in English, of course. Chuva, I may make a little misspelling, but it'll help. Chuva, because there's the Hebrew words T S H, no, T S C H V A H. I just wrote these notes to myself T S H Chu. I would say T-S-H-U-V-A-H. I'm just sounding it out. I'm sounding it out for you. Chuva. Sadaka is T-Z-E-D-U-K-A-H. That's how I'm sounding it out. And Tefila, I know, is T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H. Tefila. And the first one is Shema. Listen, listen, listen. That's the biggest, because that's the first, we can't do the anything if we can't really listen and be still and know that I am God. That's what we do in Zazen. Be still and know. And not in your head, but in silence and the stillness, know that I am God, that God is with us, that God is. We need to keep knowing that because the world of appearances can take that faith away very easily. Are we testifying to the to the works of God or are we testifying to the world of illusion, of appearance, of delusion? What are we, what's our mind focused on? If you're going to be focused on the world of appearances and the illusions and delusions, you will suffer, that's for sure. And you may not have the right actions to take, but if you can testified to keeping your mind stayed on God and those teachings, then you'll, I think you can help the world. I mean, that's just my view. I'm not anyone special. I'm just someone who's practiced this a long time and beset with many confusions along the way, for sure. But here, here it is now. Here it is now. Today, we need these teachings today for everyone more than, more than anything, more than anything. I hope that was helpful. Wonderful, wonderful teaching. Absolutely fabulous. Thank you. That will, um, it's my honor to share. I'm, 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 uh, hi, Brad.